When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome, everybody, here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, joined, as always, on this fine Thursday afternoon by Aaron Larsoul, rocking the 49ers hat to, I think, you know, take away some of the pain that his Golden State Warriors have, have provided him over the, the team, last... You mean uh, the, team, the team of my youth? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. I know I'm, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not implying that you own the uh, Golden State Warriors. I... <laughs> they they make you it's so funny i've been meaning to bring this up to you okay because you analyze the warriors mm-hmm. in almost exactly the same way and tone that i analyze the lakers so this so is like, how this is how i <laughs> this is how so i you know i i would say on the show um well basketball is weird i mean i am a basketball fan but now like currently i don't know it's like weird being a basketball fan so but this is how and i and so in whatever role that makes me i always say like i i never tell fans how to fan right Mm -hmm. however people fan is how you should fan as long as you're not you know boo whatever don't which which uh, the warriors got booed basically booed off the floor uh last night in, in absolutely um so i never tell fans how to i i never tell fans how to fan but the way in which what you're referring to is what you see me say on um, on Twitter, I would imagine, about the Warriors and that Steve Kerr should have been fired seven years ago, which I've been saying now, not seven years for so long, but I've been saying he should be fired seven years ago. And I, uh, it's on Twitter. I continuously say this, and I've said it last year, and I said it the year before. Anyway, so that is that is just me as a sports fan in general. That is how I fan. Mm-hmm. Um I just, and it's not to say like you, you'll see things, you know, you and I text and, you know, I have group chats with, with some people in the organization and, and you will see me, you'll, that side will come out of me in those things mm-hmm. about the Lakers. I just publicly can't do that. Mm-hmm. I, mean, yeah. I can't go on. I can't go on. Uh, I can't go on a a drunken. <laughs> you're not firing about the. You're not firing the... Darvin Ham on Twitter. You don't think that's a good move? Right. Right. That's, no. 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 no I. No. I. I just. I just think, like this. Like I think the 49ers. Me... If you ask me what's going to happen, and I'm wearing the 49ers hat because it is. Uh, it is wild card weekend coming up, and the 49ers do not have to participate in it. Hmm. Neither but, do my I mean, Vikings. See, it's great. See, yeah, right. For for different <laughs> reasons. But you uh you are see, like you see me, you'll see me and people that follow me, you know, I how I just used to rip Jimmy Garoppolo all the time because yeah. he was terrible. And I'm still not I'm still not in on Brock Purdy. So that is just how I that's yeah, I, that's just how I fan. Uh, but I I have enough restraint to uh yeah, un- when it comes to the Lakers, I have to have I have to have restraint. Is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I it, it's it's just something that I had noticed, and I think it's what makes this show and our friendship work. Is that uh, like, it, is that it, it's that like when I see you rip the Warriors to Kingdom Come, I look at it and I'm like, see, he gets it. He understands the frustrations that I have with with the Lakers. Yeah, I mean that's just, that is how I fan. I, the like, way I analyze these things. I think yeah. the 49ers are the 49ers were probably were definitely the best team in the NFC. Probably for most of the year, we're, we're the best team in the NFL by a wide margin. Baltimore caught them and, and beat their ass. 
Um, so if you ask me what's going to happen at the rest of the the NFL playoffs, the Chiefs are going to beat the Niners because I'm afraid of Patrick Mahomes and something will just go wrong. I assume something's mm-hmm. going to go wrong. I've been a Cal fan my entire life and have never gotten to go to a Rose Bowl. I mean, this is just how I fan. Being yeah. a fan is a generally miserable experience. It really is. Like you really think about it. Mathematically speaking, fandom is stupid. You know, like, yeah, I mean, it's it's also to give you a better chance. Like being a Laker fan, we have a better chance in general than you've had as good historically. You've had a better chance than anyone, whatever. But but like generally speaking, you have a one in thirty chance at winning a championship on any given year. If I told you you have a one in thirty chance at anything, you'd be like, "Why is that something I would hope for?" I mean, fair, (laughs) but fair, but I have also seen you at a roulette table, so like you're. Um, all right. So today's show, as you can see there on the right side, if you are watching live on YouTube, I made this a YouTube exclusive. Didn't put this up on Twitter. Uh, please subscribe on YouTube. Get those numbers up. Let's keep those numbers climbing. Uh, the latest trade rumors that the, the, we are uh, rapidly approaching. We're, we're kind of already in trade season, but once January 15th hits, I think it really takes another. It, it, it really kicks into another gear. Um, for the you know few weeks between then and the uh, February fifth, I believe trade deadline. I think it's the uh, it's February eighth. Okay, February eighth trade deadline. Um, the Lakers well, you know, are going to. Well, I have a thing. I have a. I have a. I have a thing. I have a thing. Well, I'm gonna. I have let a me thing. just I'm let gonna... me finish. Going oh, yeah, through, yeah. Let me let me finish going through the show. So we have uh, Darvin Ham and the Lakers have won two straight. So we're going to talk about how close that came to him being let go, if that was ever a possibility, um, and whether all of this stuff is now behind him, uh, if there is a if there is a chance at any of this ever being behind him. And and then, yeah, I want to carve out a little bit of time at some point in this thing to laugh at the Golden State Warriors and marvel at Bob Myers' ability to step away <laughs> at like, the perfect time. Um, but no, you said you have a thing. Let's oh, go yeah, ahead. so what, I have a, thing, a think? trade deadline thing. Uh, okay. When I mentioned the date and somebody I was talking to, uh, uh, Bill Ryder uh, does a fine work for CBS and is a good friend of mine going back uh, a ways. And he we were talking trade deadline and he had a suggestion, which mm-hmm. is that they should move the uh, the trade deadline up a week, having nothing to do with basketball, not not for basketball reasons, for NFL reasons. Um, because the week that like the Thursday of the, I think it's a Thursday, the Thursday of the trade deadline is like Super Bowl media week. So yeah. people that cover the league and cover other sports, everybody is focused on the Super Bowl and what's happening at the Super Bowl. And everything you see on all the shows is quotes for media days and, and mm-hmm. you know, everybody talking about the Super Bowl. The week before that is after the conference championship games and is completely dead, right? There's no football, yeah. anything happening. And so as a social media product and on Twitter, uh, Sweet Willie, writer, writer made the point that he thought the NBA could take over that week because, you know, especially trade deadline, trade deadline and free agency yeah. are such animals on, uh, on, on Twitter and social media. So I thought it was an interesting thought. Yeah, you can't move it back because that gets you to the uh, All-Star weekend, right? Um, that, that gets complicated for a variety of reasons. Um, I could see them moving it up, but the problem with moving it up, I mean, the NBA, we've already seen the, the NBA just run scared every time the NFL like looks at them. They're like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You know, oh. <laughs> the, the NFL tries to Christmas? punk them too. The NFL's yeah. like, nah, we got, we coming for Christmas too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the NFL like looks at Christmas and he was like, you got it. You got it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll get out of the way. Um, and and uh, so I, I can I could kind of see the NBA doing this because of their approach to anything NFL. Um, it also moves it closer to the actual midpoint of the season. The right? only thing that I would I, like, it's tough. I mean, it would be nice to have these trades happen earlier in the year, knowing the procrastinators that sports executives are. So it'd deadline be nice to get action. this done a little bit longer. You have more time on the other side of the deadline to get everybody kind of involved and, and ingratiated into the system or whatever. But the downside of it is that you have like smaller sample sizes and smaller data samples to to make these. Yeah, but I mean, you're doing stuff. it. What is it changing? Three, you know, three or four games difference, right? You're just moving it up a, yeah. a week. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, 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 I'd be in favor of it. I wouldn't. It'd be one of the few things that I wouldn't really complain about. Um, all right. So the deadline, though, as it's approaching, I wrote back, you know, around December fifteenth, when the first kind of wave of players became available. I wrote about the pricing back then, um, and the thing that I acknowledged in those trade uh offers and in my reporting on that is that back then prices were out of whack because you would have to pay a premium for trading as early as that would have been right and and i do think that the knicks paid a premium for trading for og ananobi as early in the season as they did i think had they waited a little bit longer now you risk another team stepping in or whatever and maybe the the price Stays at that range because more teams would have been in, in interest or whatever, but giving up an RJ Barrett, who's a lottery pick and is a good NBA player and giving up Emmanuel quickly, who is also a good NBA player. Um, yeah. You didn't move any picks or whatever, but that's like no, no a lot of rotation pick, yeah. minutes that uh, first round picks um, like that's a lot of rotation minutes that OG now has to step in and make up. <laughs> well, that's fine because it's Tibbs. So Tibbs will just play him 48 yeah, minutes no, a like game. Tibbs, yeah. <laughs> Tibbs does a, runs a rotation of like five. Quickly was, wasn't playing that much to, there to yeah. begin with. And that's, uh, I, I think that's more of a, a, a statement about Tibbs and, and oh, I agree. his shortcomings as a coach. But um, so for the Lakers, though, I've been going through, you know, Jake Fisher has written a couple things for Yahoo detailing the latest on uh, DeJounte Murray specifically. I saw Brian Windhorst had something in a round table about the Lakers kind of general approach to, um, to the deadline and the way that they're handling this. Jovan Buha has been really on top of these things too. Yeah, I've added Windhorst, my own. Windhorst, just a point of reference. Windhorst is in town and has been coming to, uh, to the, to the games, the Laker games the last couple of days. Um. I, I have you've been sprinkling in the the context and whatever I can offer as well. And the sense that I get right now, again, these things change or whatever. But I legitimately don't think the Lakers, I'd be kind of surprised if they traded their their first rounder, the the 2029 pick that they can move this year. I don't think they want to. Um I think it is being sold at the at the highest levels of the organization as look if we don't move it that means we can include it in a big trade for a big star in this upcoming summer right uh, on draft night I think they would have the ability to move upwards of like three first round picks on draft night um because you would have the decision yeah. from New Orleans on which pick that they are going to be using the Lakers have their own pick and you know you'd have some more clarity on those fronts. And then obviously the 2029 uh, first round of the, that they wouldn't move this, this summer. Um, the thinking or, or 30, is, by the way. Yeah. Or 30. Um, the thinking is essentially. Well, no, that, you, there, there is another one. Yeah. You could, that would get two picks. Here's here, that you three picks rather you would get two. And yeah. the reason for that is because then either 24 or 25 um, becomes available and 29 and then on draft day of 24 31. 31 becomes available mm -hmm. so uh essentially the way it has been painted to me is that the lakers like the idea of holding on to this first rounder now look if they get insane value right and the right guy becomes available or the lakers desperately need to make a move to get back into the playoff picture something like that um, then that circumstances changes, changes things. But from what I know right now, or what I've been told right now, the Lakers like the idea of holding on to that 2029 or 2030 pick, um, and, and being able to make a big swing for a superstar when Jared Vanderbilt's money can be in, included. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Rui's money would still be on the books if, if he's still on the roster, um, you know, at, at, on draft night, uh, obviously Austin Reeves contract would be, you know, able to be moved. D'Angelo Russell has what, like a player option as well. Uh, so he does he, have a player option, but he can be, so if, he would be able if, to be moved too. So if he is by some miracle also on the Lakers roster, you have enough money and enough picks that on draft night, 
the Lakers would be able to make a big swing for a bona fide superstar. And I think from where I'm sitting right now, uh, I think they like the roster that was put together over the offseason, and they want to be able to do that on draft night if, if it comes to that. Zach Levine is not a bona fide superstar. DeJounte Murray is not a bona fide superstar. So the opportunity cost in acquiring somebody like those two guys that I mentioned is that you would not be able to make the as big a swing in this upcoming offseason, and that's something that they're really focused on here um, moving forward. Um, there's a lot here, and I think um, – be careful, but I think yeah. you're mostly correct. And the the reason for that – I mean, there, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot to consider. Um, like, if that is going to be the case, and if you are holding on for – a bigger fish than than some of the names you just mentioned like those guys aren't really becoming available much anymore so who is that guy that's that's part of the question about holding on um so that yeah that's that's part of it the other part of it though is who's available now and yeah are those guys is a any of those guys, all, you know, whoever you mentioned and whoever else becomes available between now and, and the deadline, um, are those guys worth it? Right. Like take, take away, like whatever the Lakers would have to give up. Um, are those guys worth it? You're going to have to trade something that the, you like. So are those guys worth it? Are, and is the season worth it? I know you say like you never waste, LeBron, right? You never waste a season of LeBron, especially at this age. AD is in his prime, but you know, the latter end of it, I would say, I would guess, and is having an incredible season. So you don't, the late, and the Lakers don't really like punt seasons, but you kind of also have to have a sense of reality, right? Like, so I, the next handful of games here, what is it, 12 games left or 13 games left? I think it is before the deadline. Um, which is in what 28 days, 27 days, something like that. Um, you really have to evaluate because there is a place in which the season is beyond saving, right? Which yeah. is which is the calculation that that Rob made two seasons ago um, with uh, you know uh, Russ's first season. Didn't really do anything at the deadline because the team there was nobody there that was going to save the season. So that's a sliding scale of. You know, is this a season that can be saved and worth saving? And is player X on team Y good enough to do like materially change anything? And if not, you hold on. And yeah. if so, or if the price is just too good to pass up, then maybe you 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 make a swing. But I think that I agree with you that as of right now, and as you said, these things change very rapidly. Everything changes in the NBA every day. But mm -hmm. as we are talking now at whatever time this is on, on Thursday afternoon, I think it is less likely than what the consensus is out in the world that the Lakers will make a, a trade. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's less likely. It's less likely a than like trade or a trade. I mean, I feel like a trade will probably happen. Like, okay, sure. Know. But like something, you know, like all of the stuff that that is going that is in the rumor mills now and some big name. Um, I think that is less likely to happen than people think. What kind of needs do you think the Lakers roster has? Right. Not not talking about like specific names, but like yeah, yeah, archetype yeah. of player. What type of need do you think the Lakers really have? Um, Offense, just somebody that can somebody that gets buckets. Um somebody that can put some force on the rim can get downhill. Um, but the Lakers offense is just bad. <laughs> the Lakers are bad offensively. Yeah. Um, and so the need is, it's not like, I don't like shooting. You always want shooting, right? You can always use more shooting and the Lakers are not a good shooting team and haven't been a good shooting team for 150 years, but somebody that gets buckets, um, you can always, uh, you know, another uh, Christian Wood's been playing better recently. I mean, you can all the Lakers could use another a backup big. Um, I think um, like uh, there's this thing where you want to like combine two Lakers players, right? There's like one offensively and one defensively. Yeah. If you could like 
whatever you combine Torian and combine if you combine Jared Vanderbilt and Rui Hachimura, you'd have one hell of a player. <laughs> right. And I do Cam I do Cam and, and Torian, right? Like yeah, that would work too. So um I think the primary need though is just somebody that gets buckets. If you um, combine the team, Cam the team is and just Torian, like you would get That's like, Darvin Ham would use that player like Tom Thibodeau uses OG just, Ananobi currently. <laughs> just, uh, just, uh, it'd be setting new, setting new NBA records. You know what the, my favorite, my favorite, uh, record. Wilt, NBA, Wilt yeah, in one, oh, you're going to say, yeah, yeah played 48.5 minutes a game. <laughs> yeah. He played every, he played every minute of every game and they went to overtime a handful of times. Camtorian princess, it would be would average forty. <laughs> Camtorian <laughs> princess, this is this is perfection. Yeah, he's just yeah. Darwin would play that guy forty eight and a half minutes a game. Yeah. yeah. Um. So and in back to backs, yeah. you're just go just get a crack it. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we played four <laughs> overtime last for night. More no, it doesn't matter. I need the full forty eight <laughs> from you, brother. Um. So the two names, and I see a lot of people here asking about it. Yes. So I'll just go through the, the I'll go through the uh, comments here. So uh, Josh Wilson asks Anthony, I know how against the idea of Levine you are. Do you see any positives to what he brings on offense? I believe he would take a lot off of Bron's plate. Let alone if you're able to get him without Reeves. They aren't trading Reeves for Zach Levine. I'm going to go ahead and say that definitively now. That is not a move that they would make. Um. Cool. I do, and I, then, I do want to you know, say people are asking wanna, about DeJounte. I do want to say one thing about Levine, and this is not about trade stuff, but because the Bulls have been terrible since he's been there and he's never won anything anywhere, all that kind of stuff. And because he's, you know, the contract is what it is. And because the Bulls are very obviously open to trading him, I think that he he is getting underrated about he is a damn good offensive player. I mean, he he'll get he gets you 25 a night on like basically 50 40 90. So there are a lot of not great parts to Levine's game and there's some not great parts to his offensive game. He's an awful defender. But and there's some not great parts to his offensive game too. But I think the conversation a has swung I, I think the conversation has swung a little too negative on just him as a as a player. I'm not mm-hmm. not as a fit for the Lakers or not as the contract to take all that out of it. Just as an offensive player, I think he is getting he the pendulum has t- swung too far in the negative when in the conversation about Levine. Well, I'll say this about Levine, and actually, <clears throat> I'm glad that you brought this up. Uh, with this new CBA. Teams are a lot more vocally against these long-term supermax contracts and getting them on their books. Um, and I teams think that's terrified. a big... Teams, if you have two teams around the league, are terrified of adding a third. Yeah. Well, and, and the problem with even having one is it's going to limit what you're going to be able to do with having a second and, like, you're talking about adding a third. It's... it's uh if you're going to have a player at that type of money. So for a long time in the NBA, when a player was eligible for a max contract, they just got the max contract, right? Like Kobe, Kobe famously would walk into a room. Mitch would say, Hey, this is the number that we can offer you. Kobe would say, cool, I'll sign the deal and I'll leave. Um, And, and, you know, that isn't the case anymore. We just saw Kawhi Leonard signing a, a, a contract that is below the max that he could have gotten. Um, it's, also, you're seeing, it's, also, it's also fewer years than he could have gotten. Yeah, you, you're, seeing, uh, you're seeing, like you're talking about, Aaron, um, I know the, the fan perception is one thing, but the league-wide perception on Levine is another subject entirely, and it has everything to do with that contract and, and the number that he is at for as long he, he is at that number. Um, like these, these like giant contracts, Bradley Beal was traded for pennies on the dollar. Um, this last off season because of the contract he's on, uh, Damian Lillard, you know, I think got Portland a pretty good return, but you know, people or teams are a lot more nervous about those kinds of contracts here moving forward. And, and again, for a long time, teams essentially would, if, if a player was max eligible, 
you sign that player to the max contract without almost any negotiation and you figure out whatever else you need to figure out on the peripheries afterward. Now though, you're having a lot more negotiation. You're having a lot more conversation between the player and the team to actually arrive at a number that makes sense, more sense for both parties. And I think that is like, I think that's why Levine isn't going to get moved this, this year is because that contract is such a potential albatross. And I think he's, he's closer to worth it than say like Russ was when the Lakers traded for him. But this is a, this is a, a league wide thing that I think is really throwing the market out of whack here. Um, is, is that like legitimate terror around the NBA uh, in, in overspending with this new CBA, because those luxury taxes are extremely, uh, the, 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 the punishments on those things are extreme and it limits what you can do from a basketball standpoint. Yes. That is, that is a, a, that is a unique to, to the NBA in their CBA for a long time. If you wanted to do a certain thing, you wanted to spend a whole bunch of money or whatever, you would pay your luxury taxes and it would suck but it wouldn't affect what you could do from a basketball standpoint. Now though, with this CBA, it affects what you can do from a basketball standpoint. And you combine those two things and, and teams are legitimately terrified here moving forward of, of, of overstretching themselves with, for a player who doesn't win you championships. Yes. And <clears throat> excuse me. And then, then the problem becomes you have fewer avenues because of those restrictions on on movement um if you're in the second apron the you have fewer pathways to get off of that money if you are trying to like if you're if you're if you put you know your big three together or like for let's say let's say uh phoenix they traded for for bradley beal um and like or obviously like we don't give a shit about the second apron we but when that comes into effect next year if this is if you know phoenix is kind of what are they ninth i think or ninth or tenth in the west ninth i think um if it doesn't work um they go into next season and they can't get off of any of those guys i mean i'm no. well you can trade kd and you can trade book of course but like it, it would be now if you say, okay, this isn't working. We have to do something else. You can't really get off of Brad Beal's contract because any other team um, that is also in the second apron, they are not able to aggregate salaries to to send. You can't send 11 million, 13 million, and 16 million, and you know go get a 40 million dollar guy back. Um, so it's going to be harder to get off of these guys and. and change paths if you if you're trying to if it doesn't work so as it relates to Levine's trade value this has nothing to do with the Lakers specifically as it relates to his trade value the question around the league is like a can he is a he is a star and a huge name so normally normally you see you know multiple first round picks and and you know mm -hmm. good young talent and you know one established guy um, to get something like look at what the Lakers traded for Anthony Davis that kind of thing that is not going to be the case here because of all the things that we've mentioned the contract uh, his injury history how good is he actually all of those things impactful the question I is I, the I question is word uh, than, than good I think he's good it's impactful is the is the yeah word yeah, yeah yeah there's a real so, question about so the the thought around the league is like not are they not going to get good offers for him um the question is if they're going to have to attach something to trade yes yeah i was just having this back and forth yesterday with with an exec and it was like i was like are we sure they aren't gonna have to attach a pick to him to move him because I, may, okay so it may not attach something it may not have to be a, a pick but you know attach another player that a team actually wants and have you know has value to them yeah. um so it may be, have to be that you know you have to expand the deal to a bigger thing and you can't just trade levine for whatever that you're going to have to be the one to attach a little sweetener you know whether that's a draft pick or a yeah. bald-headed white guy on your roster so be it <laughs> uh, i 
I, I was, I, I legitimately, I was going back and forth because initially when we started the conversation, the person I was talking to was like, that's, that's fucking ridiculous. What are you even talking about? Levine is a very good player. And I was like, yeah, sure. What's his market right now? And he was like, you know, I, come on. They aren't, they aren't, they are not, they would rather not, they would rather, you know, eat this year of his contract than attach something to him to move him. I was like, oh, sure. That might yeah. be, he might be, whoever you're talking to might be right about that, but yeah, that but, but that I said that's besides the point. That's right. kind of my entire point is the I fact can't, that yeah, they might yeah. have to. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and it was, a, it was a fun little quick conversation back and forth that we arrived at in the gut, you know, at the end of the thing, he was like, holy shit, you, you might actually be right. Um, and, and, and we'll see what that looks like. You know, you never know, uh, you know, which team, if the, if the Warriors get desperate enough, right. With uh, Chris Paul's injury and Clay forgetting how to play basketball and Andrew Wiggins uh, somehow doing it even more, uh, and, you know, we already the skipped to the part they, where we make fun of the Warriors. Is that that's what we're? No, no, no. I, I, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> no, I also, I also a have a story teaser. from this morning that I need to say um, on the show when when we are uh, at the end of the show is is the hour back and forth this morning about scheduling today. Um, because I thought that was a perfect encapsulation of your and my divergent life choices. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you guys have I'm that. I'm really honest about my well. life on, on this show on all things I appear on. You and I have chosen different paths, brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm having, I'm getting a lot of questions also in the chat. So yesterday on the lowdown, I reported that, uh, you know, or at least relayed that the name that keeps coming up is uh, Austin Reeves in terms of assets, right? If the Lakers are not particularly willing to move their 2029 first rounder or 30, I guess they could technically move 2030 instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they aren't willing to move. So, so, that so, pick, so wait, wait, so I would call it if the Lakers trade a draft pick, you know, before this trade deadline, it will be the 29 one. The Lakers are not trading the 30 pick. Two reasons. One, that's farther away. And mm-hmm. that's that's 147-year-old LeBron instead of just 100-year-old LeBron. And it's 78-year-old Anthony Davis. There's a very, very good chance that both of them are retired or not on the team <laughs> So the farther you get out, the less likely yeah. it is that you want to trade that. That's the first reason. The second reason is if you trade 30, then you can't trade 31. Yeah. So there's no reason to encumber yourself unnecessarily. That's a good point. Um, so anyway, so essentially if the Lakers, as, as we talked about earlier in the show, aren't as interested in moving that 29 pick, then their next best asset and maybe even better asset than the 29 pick, depending on, on what a team prioritizes, is Austin Reeves, right? He's sitting on a great contract. He's a good youngish player. We've seen him perform in the playoffs. Um, he is the name that, like, essentially every negotiation starts with, okay, you want this guy? Cool, we want Austin. And, and uh, you know, that's where a negotiation can start. And the Lakers' response so far, I'm told, every time Austin comes up, because the names that we're talking about, right, Austin, uh, Zach Levine, DeJounte Murray, um, even Jeremy Grant, is like, yeah, no, we, we'd rather keep Austin than move, make a move for, for any of those guys right now. And, you know, it's, you know, I, I did some asking around, the Lakers and I did some asking around Austin's camp and, and the consensus that I arrived at is that nobody is anticipating in any way, shape or form Austin getting moved. Now I want to be clear. That doesn't mean that the Lakers consider him off of the table. There is nobody off of the table outright on the Lakers um, who isn't named LeBron James or Anthony Davis. Okay. okay. I was going to say like, it took you a little <laughs> bit to get to the to couple names. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, like the the only 
players that the Lakers like would not even listen to a, you know, or have a conversation about are LeBron James and Anthony Davis for good, like for good reason. Like, like if you're trading, if you're trading LeBron, you know, you got to get back. Like, man, I love LeBron trade. I saw Bill Simmons throwing out like potential LeBron trades the other day. Yeah. And it was like, and I was like, why would the Lakers even entertain this? Like, it was, it was like Nikola Jovic? Like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He threw out a heat. Yeah. He had a heat <laughs> fake trade. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, so I, I want to be clear. I don't think he Austin might be worse is... than you at the trade machine. This is, this is a more outlandish trade machine stuff. You know, <laughs> but that's, this is my, this is my political platform here now that we're in 2024 is that I think there should be drug testing and a breathalyzer connected somehow to uh, the trade machine you should have to pass some sort of screening before you're allowed to, put, be fun. to yeah. get into the trade machine it would like it, it or there or you should like they should make the results public so like when you make that trade and you blow into the breathalyzer it says like the breathalyzer was at this ABD. <laughs> you know, when, when, when that trade was made um, or published this is where uh that person was at but um, yeah, I want to be clear. I don't think Austin is off of the table in definitive terms, but uh, it would take a player better. I mean, than how many DeJounte people around Murray. the NBA are like actually untouchable? I know that's what I'm right. saying. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, the 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 it would take a better player on a better deal than Zach Levine. It would take, I think, a better player even than Dejounte Murray. It would take, I think, even a, a better player on a better deal than Jeremy Grant. He just signed a big contract this last offseason as well. So um, from, you know, from what right, I have right heard. When, right when Dame was like publicly asking out, and the Blazer, I was looking back like the Blazer should have been like, wait, is the ink? Did he, did, did he, <laughs> triply, did he sign every copy? Do we have anything we can do here? It was literally like five hours or something like that. And then Dame's like, well, it'd be I'm, funny. I'm, it'd be I'm funny out. if like, if if on the contract, you know, he's like signing it here, and then all of a sudden you see the the ink just run off of the page, and it's when they yanked this the, while the pen was still on the paper, they yanked the contract. They gave him, him. They gave him a pen with disappearing <laughs> ink. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I don't, we have we have nothing. <laughs> NBA contracts are like NBA contracts are thick stacks of paper. Yeah, and you have to. They're sign. heavier sometimes than the, the the tables that they get signed on. Yeah, um, I think you have to do three copies. I think you have to sign three copies. I've seen it. I've seen it once. I've been in in person for someone signing an NBA contract once, and it was. It's like, it always blows my mind that LeBron signs left handed and plays right handed. That is right. crazy. To me. That's right. It's like I I golf right handed and I am left handed, but that was because I broke my left wrist when I was in like seventh grade, and I had no choice but to essentially become right handed for a year. And I was early enough in my life that I could become pretty ambidextrous the fact that lebron at this like right now still does that like that way is just it's insane to me um so all right i i, I see i see that like all right tony pr so are we looking at a marginal move or no move i think it's more likely that it's quote unquote marginal than it would be an earth shattering move because you only have, even if the Lakers were interested in or or more interested in moving that 2029 pick, you don't shatter the world with a first round pick, you know, like Correct. You, you don't you, like the, the kinds of trades in today's NBA that get you whatever kind of player with only like the, the Lakers moved a first round pick last year to bring back a Jared Vanderbilt who eventually became unplayable in the playoffs. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, who uh, we've seen the kind of player that D'Angelo Russell is, right? Good, but can be played off of the court in the playoffs. It moved Russell Westbrook's contract, which was a big deal, but Russell Westbrook's contract was an expiring $47 million. So it's not like that was some albatross that nobody could possibly comprehend dealing with in the way that like Zach Levine's contract is. And and so like I I, I think... You know, if I had to choose one way or the other on answering that question, is it marginal or no move? Well, it'll be marginal because I don't think they aren't aren't going to make a trade. I'd be I'd be pretty shocked if this trade season came and went and the Lakers didn't do anything at all. But I also would be pretty shocked 
if they moved that 2029 pick, let alone moved Austin Reeves. So like what you're looking at is D'Angelo Russell and a few second rounders or Rui Hachimura and a few second rounders and or combining those guys for a bigger contract than a few second rounders or maybe a pick swap or something like that. Well, what, what if you consider that marginal, then then I think that's I guess that's where we stand right now. So. I mean, yes. So, it, I mean, it almost by like if the Lakers are to do anything and I will say even if you include the the 29 pick that. Whether the Lakers, how how excited the Lakers and willing the Lakers are to move that you've you've you said your piece on mm-hmm. Um, I think I have that pretty good. Like I, I, I I'm, I'm in. I'm as confident disagreeing with in, you. <laughs> Let's say yeah, that I'm I am as not confident in, in reporting that as I was. Say like uh, not something you were very confident because I had that for sure, for sure. But like the, the 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 locker room stuff. Like so, if you want to compare like my reporting or whatever, and how confident I am in this, how confident I was in reporting what was going on in the locker room compared to now this. That's how confident I am in in my in what I know about what the Lakers' intentions are. So year. something to keep in mind here, right now, if you say I always have to throw that disclaimer. Yes, right now. Yes. <laughs> um, something to keep in mind for fans out there and everybody you know on the trade machine, um, and people with Lakers fans have very high expectations and understandably so. Something to keep in mind is there are twenty nine other teams in the NBA. And they're all trying to get better. Also, everybody has a different war chest of, of, you know, talent and contracts and picks and all this kind of thing. Even if the Lakers are to put their best assets forward, how many other teams can beat the Lakers offer for whoever it might be? I mean, you haven't even mentioned the best player. I can't do it, but you can't even mention, you haven't even mentioned the best player that um, is rumored to be available because not specifically to Lakers, just around the NBA. You haven't even mentioned that person because what's that? Mitchell Donovan Mitchell. No, but that's a fine answer too. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, Anybody of that caliber or around that caliber who may be possibly available, the Lakers offer best offer is going to get beat by 10, 15 other teams. So, yeah, I mean, like it kind of by definition is going to be a marginal trade because the Lakers only have enough to acquire a person who many fans would consider marginal, a marginal upgrade. This is a good question uh, from LeBron Stan. <laughs> fitting name. But uh, if the Lakers don't move the pick, don't we risk upsetting LeBron and AD? Yeah, you risk it. But like at the, this isn't to me, this isn't to me like it was a couple of years ago where the Lakers had more at their disposal to be able to move and chose not to. Remember that all-star break where LeBron was like complimenting Sam Presti and complimenting. I do. Yeah. 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 Fuck them, and all fuck that them stuff, kids. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, like I, that I think. No, fuck them was, picks. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Fuck them picks. Although like, you know, some mornings I feel the, the, the way that you said. <laughs> but that's, that's the, that's the Michael Jordan one, right? The little, the yeah. meme, the Michael Jordan. Yeah. Fuck them kids. Yeah. Um, so like the, you know, that to me was a situation where I thought that LeBron and AD, LeBron, more than AD, I'll just say this, doesn't get upset, organizationally speaking. He's pretty much just like, I'm going to show up, I'm going to hoop. And that's that's pretty much how this is going to go. So, like, even when all the Darvin Hamwood stuff was going on, like, it was, like, you had some people who felt a certain way in that locker room about Darvin Ham. There was some people who felt a lot more emotionally about Darvin Ham. There were some people who really liked the job that Darvin Ham is doing, right? Like Torian Prince has said that he has never felt more wanted in an organization because it's literally true. Um, but like AD throughout <laughs> throughout all of that was just like, wait, what? What's going on? <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> Um, he's he's a lot more happy-go-lucky, but he is. I mean, AD he, is one of the most competitive people I have ever met. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, he does kind of have a way of coming across as more mild mannered away from like wanting to rip everybody's throat out in uh, yeah. between the lines. 
Yeah, I I don't think he messes around nearly as much, especially after the way the rust thing went. I don't think he messes around anywhere near as much with like personnel stuff, and I don't think he at all messes around with like wanting the coach fired or anything like that. That 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 to me is not something that that uh, AD seems to dabble much with. But anyway, um, like this is coming into the season, Aaron. And and the audience, you guys were like annoyed with how often I was saying, hey, if this roster isn't what the Lakers believe it to be or what you guys think it to be or what we hope it to be, the Lakers aren't going to have very many assets or avenues that they'll be able to take to improve it. They're hard capped. Like the other day, I said that if the Lakers weren't hard capped, I would like the idea of waving Hayes and bringing in Bismack Biombo. And the reason you can't do that, it, it, it you literally can. Like CBA wise, it's a thing that the Lakers can literally do. But the more that you do that, the more that you edge up against that hard cap number, the more limited that you're going to be when it comes time at, at the trade deadline. That would be the kind of thing that you do after the trade deadline when you know exactly what you have to work with or what you need to work with moving forward for the rest of the season. So when I said, Hey, it would be nice to not hard cap yourself with one of these players, whether it's Torian Prince or, uh, well, it was Torian Prince was who they hard capped themselves for. Um, and, and whether it's keeping some extra money here to not care about the luxury tax, whether it was whatever it was that, that I kept on saying, the reason I said all of that stuff is if you arrived where the Lakers currently are right now, where I think, I think it's pretty clear the Lakers could use some upgrades and some, some uh, shots in the arm with this roster, but they don't have as many avenues because of the way that they did their business over the off season. It's why, by the way, I was also kind of surprised on draft night that the Lakers didn't move. They could have moved the 29 pick and they could have moved the, the pick that they used that night on draft night um, to combine those two picks to bring in uh, a, a player with that, with those assets they chose not to do that. They drafted Jalen Huchifino, and that surprised me. Not only not only did they not use those picks, but they also used them on a prospect who's a couple years away from being a couple years away. So, like where you arrive right now, it, it, it you know if LeBron does walk in to Palinka's office and says, "What aren't we? Why aren't we doing anything?" Palinka can kind of sort of say, "There isn't much that we can do." We have one first rounder that we're working with. You have some pick swaps potentially way down the road, but that really limits what you're going to be able to do this off season. At some point that bill comes due just ask Saints fans, right? Like they're, they're looking at their team right now and they're like, yeah, this is not a great team. And we're stuck with this team for the foreseeable future. Cause we spent a lot of money and assets to keep this not great team. And, and this is kind of where the Lakers find themselves too. Um, (laughs) this, I mean, this really also goes back to the, you know, the question, the question about, will you, do you like risk alienating LeBron and AD by not doing something? There's like, I, I mentioned it earlier in the show, like at some point there's a reality too, which is you have to look at the, where the Lakers are in the NBA landscape this season and say, there isn't anything we can do that's going to get us where we want to go so doing something just to do something doesn't make any sense which is why the next whatever four weeks of of games are so important because the lakers are in a place right now where you know winning seven of ten means something like gives you an Mm -hmm. uh, an idea of what you might want to do going into the deadline and losing seven of ten makes you say like is this salvageable at all so I, the, the next couple few weeks here are very crucial in, in information gathering as it, as it leads to the deadline and what path to take. Yep. All right. Let's uh, really quickly hit on the Darvin Ham stuff. And um, so essentially to answer the question that everybody keeps asking, how close did he get to being fired? I'm here to say not close at all. It was never, there was at the very top of the organization, Jeannie didn't want to fire him, right? We've seen Sam Amick report that she was texting him throughout all of that stuff to say how much she respects the job that he is doing and admires him, the human being. Um, Rob Polinka doesn't want to fight, didn't want to fire him. 
um, in part because that would have been he fired a, a championship caliber head coach to hire a rookie coach. And if that doesn't work out very well, that doesn't look great on his docket and 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 his and, and his kind of uh, job tally or whatever. Um, there are people lower in the organization who have some questions in the basketball operations about the job that he is doing, but they don't make the final decision. So in terms of the people who would have made the final decision on Darvin Ham, it never came close. Had the Lakers even had they lost that Clippers game or whatever. It's not like after that Clippers game, the Lakers would have walked, Rob Palenka would have walked into Darvin's hand uh, office and fired him there. That's not how that was ever going to play out. The thing I did say is that if the Lakers got blown out and it became evident that the players were f- like completely tuned out to him, then that, that like people in the organization were certainly kind of bracing themselves for what comes next. But I don't think there was every, ever any circumstance that, the Lakers would have lost that one game and made a decision based off of that one game one way or the other on, on Darvin ham, because essentially if you do that and we saw this with Frank Vogel last year uh, or two years ago um, where there was the Utah jazz game that the Lakers won. And then right afterward, you got the report after that, like had he lost that one, they were getting ready to fire him, which means they had essentially made their decisions on on Frank Vogel and eventually arrived at it for where they fired him like the second the season ended. So um, I don't think it ever got that close with Darvin Ham, but I also don't think that this stuff is necessarily behind him either because there are some people in that locker room whose trust he needs to earn back. There are some people in basketball ops who would like to see him do things differently. I will though say on even that front that uh, his handling of all of this to where apparently uh, and again, this is according to Sam Amick. Um, he opened up the uh, lines of communication and had a kind of hash it out uh, uh, film room session where he allowed players to voice their opinion on the job that he is doing. And he, you know, gave feedback on that feedback back to those players and all of that stuff. And you, they, they had apparently, according to those reports, a good productive conversation. That's exactly what I'd been hoping for. Is, is hearing about exactly that. So I think that allows you to make some progress, but I do think we are, we're nowhere, just as, as we were nowhere near him getting fired, I don't think we're anywhere near this stuff being completely behind him either because there's a lot of progress that needs to be made in that locker room. Yep, cool. <laughs> um, I will say this though, you've been in organizations and you've watched, right, like Steve Kerr literally says after, after and this, it was perfect segue. Look at me, look at me being good at my job. Professional um, broadcaster. But Steve Kerr says after last night's game that they lost, what is it? The confidence. The confidence, the confidence and belief. And, uh-huh. and, and, and there was one more that I forget. But he, um, he, he like, in a way, is admitting they've kind of tuned him out too. And, um, you've, you've been in enough organizations to where that, I don't know how close in an organization you have been to a coach feeling that way or the organization feeling that way about that head coach or whatever, but, you know, without getting to specific into specifics, obviously with this situation, mm-hmm. what does that feel like? Like, is that, is that just something that just sits you know, is it like a pink yeah. elephant in every room? No. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it also depends how much of the team is you know, like the team is not a, a monolith, right? It's made up of individual humans and people have different relationships with different people. You know, they, they vibe with people better than others. Um, so it depends. You're not like, you're generally not, there's always that on every team in every season, there is always at least one or two guys that kind of look, look sideways at the coach, no matter who it is, look sideways at the coach. Like, oh, fuck this dude. Like, you know, whatever they, they don't like their rotation minutes or they don't like how they're being used or whatever. But when it gets to like half of the guys or two thirds of the guys, like it's more systemic than that. Mm-hmm. It's or all of the guys, you're not going to get all the guys, but like when it becomes half the team or two thirds of the team, and then depending on 
who it that is. That was what was notable about the, the reports, right? It was like six sources say that the locker room feels a certain way about Darvin Ham. So, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, yes. When it when it when it becomes to a bunch of guys on the bench, um, then yeah, it, it it's kind of just like a fog over the whole thing. It's just kind of like a weight that just sits there, and everybody mm-hmm. knows it, but nobody's going to say anything about it. You're not going to, um, but when then this is not this is not I'm not suggesting that this has happened with the Lakers, but when a coach gets tuned out it's very, very difficult to get that back. Mm -hmm. Not Lakers specific at all, but it is very difficult to, if guys are out on a coach or, or an organization or a GM or like once it gets to that level, right. What is it? Isn't there like some song, like when a woman's fed up, right? (laughs) Like, like when you get to the point where it, then like there's, it's very, very difficult to, uh, to unring that bell. Yeah, I, and that was, that's been the, the the thing that I've been trying to nail down is like, did, did this situation, and I don't want to put you in a tough spot here, but like, did the Lakers situation cross that threshold? Has it? No, had- no, at least I don't think so. Um, I think there are, well, there are guys that have been frustrated with their role, but it is also, it's also like the Lakers are not playing well or haven't, it's been better recently, but at that time we're playing poorly. And so that is like a weight also. And it's like, you can feel not this specific situation, but like, what is it? Uh, the natural is one of my, one of my favorite movies. It's the only sports movie that I like the natural, the old uh, uh, Robert Redford. Robert uh, Redford. Baseball, yeah. Baseball movie. They, you know, the, the team goes on a losing streak and there's like this montage in the thing where they bring in like some weird, like, doctor witch doctor person and you know to like the losing is a disease you know as as contagious as whatever polio or something so like it's that kind of like builds on itself and then if there's guys that are frustrated or you know frustrated with how they're playing frustrated with their role frustrating with you know rotations all that kind of thing um yeah there are some guys that have been frustrated but i think a lot of it was just losing and I do not think that the locker room has tuned him out. I think some guys have had some frustrations and Darwin's frustrated too, because he's searching for combinations. So he is trying to look for stuff that's working better than the stuff has been working. And that does mess with guys roles and minutes. And, you know, it's hard because you don't know, you know, you want to make fun of the Warriors. It's the same thing with the Warriors when you don't have like a five, you can settle on and you keep searching for something that works. It is going to mess with guys roles and, you know, these are, these are creatures of habit. NBA players are creatures of habit and want to know, okay, I come in at this time. I go out at this time. I come back in at this time. Um, and for these, this six minute stretch, I'm going to primarily be doing this, you know, so, and the Lakers haven't settled on that yet. Yeah. Uh, that to me is my biggest frustration with ham and this coaching staff is that, you are now reaching the halfway point here pretty soon. And I have no idea if they have any idea who their best five man lineup is that they can go to. Yeah, But to be fair, like, I don't know. Like, do you know who their best five man unit? Like, this is like, okay, fine. We're in charge now. Who? Like, I have some, well, I have some sympathy for Darwin for this because I don't know who, like, I don't, I don't have a group. I have things that I would suggest but I I don't think it is definitive. You can say it should be these guys. No, but like the, the issue is like the issue with turning that on us there is that I haven't been in charge of finding those combinations out. Right. So like I would have, I thought that they gave up on the Austin D'Lo combination a little too quickly. It's a fine regular season combination. I agree with that. And the other part of it is I understand why it was given up on. I agree it was a little early. My point though, is I would have made the other, I would have made the other decision. I would have. Yeah. I would have. Then it's, there's personalities, right? Like. Yeah. Austin's going to handle and has handled going to the bench better than D'Lo has and would. Yeah. Well, D'Lo hasn't answered questions for two, (laughs) two straight games now. So. We kind of know how he feels about that move. 
Um, the last thing before we get you out of here, and this is just me talking to you guys. Here's where this is tough. Okay. The more reporting that I do, the more that my analysis or my reporting sounds like my analysis. So when you guys are sitting there frustrated at the fact that the Lakers might make what you deem a marginal move or what we deem a more marginal move, I'm here saying I'm also frustrated that they put themselves in this predicament in the first place, given what I said dating back to last summer, right? Those are, those are two very separate things is the things that I'm relaying to you, the information I'm relaying to you about their intentions right now. And again, I always have to throw that disclaimer right yeah. now and what I would prefer that they do. Right. Um, and, and, and look, maybe we can have one of these conversations where I kind of step away, take off my reporter hat and I just give the analysis or whatever. This is, this is me learning on the job. I have not done reporting over the course of my career. And so I'm learning to find that, that balance as well. So as I find that balance a little bit better, then, then, then we'll all grow together. Um, this has been fun. Aaron, you have to hustle out and go get your hair cut, get I your do. hair did. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Another big show here for us, despite it being a YouTube exclusive. That's awesome. Make sure you guys are hitting that subscribe button. Make sure you guys are hitting like and commenting and all of that stuff. Subscribe everywhere that you find your podcast. If you miss one of these live broadcast, broadcast, broadcasts uh, tonight, I will be on All Access Lakers with the guys there to watch tonight's game. So tune into that. Uh, playback.tv slash all access Lakers which is where you can find that. And then immediately after the game, I will be here in the lounge to break it down with you, either with somebody or with you uh, it, right now. So until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin. That was Aaron Larsoul. This has been the lounge. Make somebody else's day. No, have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's. And I will talk to you tonight when the Lakers take on the Phoenix Suns. <laughs>